You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Good morning. Um, like Jason said, I'm Wesley, and I'm here to introduce our guest speaker for today. We've been really blessed here um, over the last few weeks to hear from some amazing um, men from of the Lord, and um, they have blessed us with great teaching um, to help encourage us, uh, and it's been really awesome. We've been very fortunate um, uh, to have that opportunity here. Uh, but today, we're going to hear from a lady, um, a lady of the Lord, and I'm very excited um, for what Emily Peters has to share with you today. I've known Emily for, oh, it's been about two years, maybe. Um, it seems like just yesterday. I don't know. The time is going quickly, and yet it still hasn't been that long. Um, but I'm very excited for what she does have to share with each of us um, I said it in the first service. I'm going to say it again. I am just slightly distracted today. Does anybody have anything that's causing a distraction in their life? I have five of them. And they're all under the age of 12. And today just seems to be the day that they just want to be a distraction, at least to me. And I'm sorry if they have any effect on any of you as well. But I truly just ask that the Lord will just release us from distraction today, because I do believe that Emily has something very special to share. And um, I want our ears to be open to hear and just our minds to not be caught up in the chaos, I guess, to hear what she has to say. I'm not going to do much of an introduction because I think she's going to share a little bit about who she is uh, with what she has to share. But I did feel that the Lord wanted me to just give some scripture uh, just to, and then to pray over her before she begins. Paul, in the book of 2 Timothy, he's writing to Timothy, who was younger than him and someone that just touched his heart very, very deeply. And... I don't know. I'm crying again. I'm going to start in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. And it says, I have been reminded, this is Paul speaking, writing, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, Timothy, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded the same faith now lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord, but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything that we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, our living hope, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. I'm going to ask Emily to come up, and I just want to pray over her. 
um, before she begins. And if you join with me in that, that would be totally awesome. I love this woman that's standing next to me, and I just believe in the love that she has for our Lord and in what she has to share. And so if you'll join with me, we're just going to pray. Heavenly Father, I am so thankful that you are a good God and a loving God, and that you have put inside of Emily a heart for you, that you have nurtured that, and her testimony will be a testimony of your goodness and of your grace. God, thank you for the self-discipline that you've put inside of her, the, um, the hunger for your word and your truth, and we ask today that you would fill her once again, not with the spirit of fear, but with a spirit of power and with a sound mind. Lord, we ask that the words that come out of her mouth and the meditations of her heart will be pleasing in your sight and it would be a blessing to our ears. May we not be distracted from the word that you have for us today. And may you be glorified in what she has to share. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much, Leslie. So I was uh, just, I love how the Lord works and Leslie doesn't know this, um, but my life verse is 2 Timothy 1.7. Um, and so actually a couple years ago, when I first learned probably five or six years ago what it meant, what a life verse meant, I, um, really was just loving this verse and praying on it. And a wise woman in my church at the time asked me what my life verse was, and I didn't really know. And she's like, Emily, I think that could be your life verse. And so I've, you know, um, kind of prayed about it more. And ever since then, uh, that's been the verse I hang on to. So she has no idea um, that, but that's just how cool God is. Okay, I'm gonna take a water, a drink of water, because my mouth's kind of dry. So I apologize. Um, my name is Emily Peters. I am not a preacher or a teacher. I am simply a vessel. And it is truly an honor to be a vessel for the Lord. And I am very honored to be here with all of you. And I just adore so many people in this church. And it's very humbling. So before I start, I'm just going to pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your goodness and just the opportunity to stand here today for you. And I pray that you would be glorified, that I would be a vessel, and that you would just speak to each and every one of your children the message and the nugget that you want them to hear. I pray that you would meet them where they're at and that you would speak to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so in essence of time, I'm going to um, condense my full testimony a little bit and start by sharing the biggest trial of my life. Um, a few years ago, I was happily married to my best friend, and we had very strong relationship with two of our best friends. Um, mentors and actually the ones that had married us, their names were Ty and Terry. 
and um, we were headed on a fun vacation to Mount Rushmore. And um, on the way there, we were on Highway 90 going westbound. So if you've been on Highway 90 before, it's two lanes going westbound, um, a median and grass area, and then the two lanes coming eastbound. Uh, we were behind a trailer on the right lane of the highway going westbound. I was in the front seat, Ryan was driving, and Ty and Terry were in the back. We were going around this uh, truck and trailer into the left lane, and when we merged into the left lane, there was a truck coming the wrong way, also going 80 miles an hour, and there was a head-on collision. Um, the gentleman had two things of propane in his truck, which caused uh, two big explosions right away. And um, that day, Ryan, Ty, and Terry, and I hope the other man knew the Lord, but I know for sure Ryan, Ty, and Terry went to heaven. Everything uh, in the truck burned, all of our luggage. The only thing that survived was me and my Bible. My Bible was in the front seat with me with all of my work stuff, um, which all got burned. I, by the grace of God, survived. Um, I broke my back in four places, broke my arm, fractured my leg. Uh, I had a torn intestines, um, ruptured bowel, swollen kidney, spleen, colon, and I was also um, in a severe concussion. The months and years that followed that day were some of the deepest, hardest, most raw days of my life. I chose to cling to Jesus, not because it was easy or even what I wanted to do at times, but it was because the only thing I knew to do. I wanted to share another story too. Um, so Ryan and I were very much involved in marriage ministry and Ty and Terry had actually raised us up in that. And um, we were part of an organization in Fremont, Nebraska called SOS Marriage. And it's an organization that helps marriages that are in crisis. They go through this book. Um, it's a four-day, very intense book. Husband and wife go through it. And then afterwards, they have a mentor couple or um, like accountability couple for a year after that process to check in and see how things are going. So Ryan and I were going to be that accountability couple for um, other people. And... Um, Ryan wanted us to go through the book ourselves so we knew what other couples had gone through. And um, anytime you're working on your marriage, it's not a bad thing, right? You don't have to be in crisis to work on your marriage. So there was a portion in the book that said, if blank would happen, I would have a hard time surviving. And I put in that book, Ryan's death. That night when we were driving home, uh, Ryan said to me, Emily, everything's gonna be fine, but if anything would ever happen, 
you would be strong in the Lord. And the Lord has used that many times to bless me, to remind me in those dark times that I needed to go to the Lord. Another thing that was a part of that book was um, where you talked about if you had any bitterness towards family members, towards friends, and then there was a section for God. And when I went through it, I was like, I don't have anything against God. God's awesome. I'm totally fine. You know, so like literally my page is like, nope, don't got anything. And um, after we had gone through this, this book, we would read the Bible in the morning. And I had just kind of recently learned over the last couple of years about what the Bible says about marriage in heaven and not being married in heaven. And it was really bothering me. And so there were many mornings where I was crying during our Bible time. And Ryan would be like, why are you crying? And I'm like, I just really want to be married to you in heaven. And Ryan would be like, Ellen, you don't even, you are not going to want to be married to me. And anyways, it was an issue. I kept crying in the morning. And so um, in this SOS marriage book, the process is whoever you have bitterness towards, you create a 30-day prayer plan. And so he had encouraged me, slash he was probably looking for help, like, why are you crying every morning? Um, but he was like, I think you really, I think you might have some bitterness towards God for his plan in marriage, and I think you should do a prayer plan. So I have been praying for the Lord to help my heart to understand his plan for marriage and heaven and just to have peace about it. On day 28 of my prayer plan was the day of the accident. And I just share that because it shows the detail of God and how he cares about our hearts. And he had been preparing my heart for this trial before I even knew it happened. So um, we all face trials in our life. The Bible says we're going to face trials. And as hard as that season was, I am so thankful because the Lord taught me so much. And my prayer is that as I share what he taught me, that he'll remind you of his goodness and that he will encourage you and inspire you. The first thing that he taught me was that hope and help comes from the Lord. Not your Facebook account, your job, your significant other, how well your kids are performing. Hope and help comes first from the Lord. I remember sitting beside my bed wailing and um, reaching to grab my phone because I was just hurting so bad and I was going to put a status on Facebook to say, please pray for me. And... Um, the Lord caught me in that moment and told me, come to him. Now, there's nothing wrong with asking for prayer. And in fact, we're supposed to do that. We're encouraged to do that. But we have to make sure our priorities are always first the Lord. And I got down on my knees beside my bed and was just praying to the Lord. And he gave me a supernatural wave of peace. Psalm 142.3 says, When I am overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. We have to turn to him. 
And we can do this through song, prayer, journaling. We can be free with the Lord. He knows our hearts. Psalm 46, one says, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. The second thing that he really taught me was that we are in a constant battlefield, a battlefield between the Lord of hope and the devil of discouragement. Ephesians 6.12 says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world and against evil spirits. After the accident, the battlefield was really magnified for me. I saw how everything could be either an opportunity for the Lord to give me hope or the devil trying to discourage me. And I really had to learn to see that this is not a battlefield between my friends. This is a battlefield where the enemy is trying to attack, steal, kill, and destroy. Um, there were certain things that were hard, like when a lot of my friends were, the, everyone was in the season of getting married and having children, and these were my best friends, and it made me sad. And I knew that that was the enemy, and I knew that the Lord could give me joy in those hardest times. So we have to recognize that we're in a battlefield. And how do we fight in the battle? By putting on the armor of God. I know that you guys know that in this church, um, but check out Ephesians. Ephesians 6, 10 and down talks about the belt of truth, the body armor of righteousness, shoes of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit. We have the ability to access those. The third thing that he taught me was the importance of obedience. There's a song about obedience. I tried to sing at the last service, and I'm not a very good singer, but um, you can find me afterwards, and I will tell you who sings it. But it, it's like obedience, and I always think about that when I talk about the word of obedience. So um, in Luke 11:28, Jesus said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. I really learned that there's four key areas, if I would kind of sum it up, of where we need to make sure that we are completely obedient. In our decisions, our thoughts, word, and prayer. So break that down a little bit. Um, decisions. First of all, getting up every day and deciding that Jesus is my hope. Deciding that Jesus is my source of hope and that I will come to him when I am weary and when I need strength. I remember after the accident, there were a lot of things that weren't good that sounded good. And I had to make that decision to walk in obedience in my actions. Number two, our thoughts. My dear friend, Ty Shenzel, he was actually a pastor himself, and he used to always say, you can't prevent a bird from flying over your head, but you can prevent a bird from nesting in your hair. And it's the same thing with our thoughts. We can't prevent negative thoughts from coming into our mind, but we can prevent what thoughts we dwell on. 
And it's so important to be obedient and making sure our thoughts align with the Lord. Third, the word. The word is true and never changing. And I know that it was a sweet blessing of the Lord to keep my Bible with me. I mean, the word is so strong and I'm not, you know, ignorant to think if like I held a fire ignition to this that it wouldn't catch on fire, right? But the Lord did that because he knew how much I needed his word. And thankfully, I had developed a discipline of getting into the word every day. And I would just encourage everyone that if we're not in the word every day, to make that a daily discipline. When I first was challenged to get into the word, I remember the way that they explained it to me is first it's drudgery, then it's discipline, and then it becomes delight. And when I was first starting to learn how to read the Bible, I was one of those people that would just open it up. Hopefully I didn't open it up to and put my finger on a page and hopefully it wouldn't be the Old Testament because I'd get like a a verse of um, genealogy or something. But I didn't really know what I was doing and um, I would just write out verses and then write prayers. And sometimes I felt like, geez, I don't know if I'm really doing it, but staying disciplined and getting into the word and praying about the word. And it became, got to this point where it became such a delight. And every day the Lord just blesses me through it. So just encourage you all and making sure that we're being obedient and getting into the word. Psalm 135 says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits. And in his word, I put my hope. The fourth thing is prayer. There is power in prayer and we have to pray without ceasing, no matter our circumstances. I know there's some awesome prayer warriors in this room and in this church and in this body. And we all need to be obedient in our daily prayer life. The fourth thing is that restoration is real and abundant. I remember thinking about how this mindset, I was trying to be strong and thinking, okay, I know that my life is never gonna be as good as it was, but I have to be thankful for what God gave me and that I was so blessed to experience it. And as I was in that mindset, the Lord really convicted me through Paul's writings. In Ephesians 1.18, he writes to the Christians in Ephesus. He says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. God really showed me that our God is not a good enough God. Our God is not a God of complacency. He's a God of restoration, of greatness, of healing, of power. And he wanted me to be confidently hopeful in what he had ahead. And I didn't know what my life would look like but I knew that he was in control. Now is my favorite part of the story. Um, In November of 2016, I officiated Ryan, my first husband's older brother's wedding. And in the wedding party was this incredibly handsome man named Maverick. 
And um, the Lord blew me away with, at first, just the safety and protection I felt when I was around him. And I never thought, I didn't know if I would ever get married again. And um, I remember talking to the Lord too, which he's funny, um, saying like, Lord, I don't know if you would ever have me marry again, but dating sounds terrible. And I'm never going to marry anyone who's been divorced. I'm never going to marry anyone who has kids. And I'm never moving anywhere colder because I hate the cold. God's funny. So now here I am in Mason City, Iowa, 10 degrees colder from where I was before to a man who's divorced and has three kids. But oh, what a blessing. What an amazing man of God. And... um. It's all because of the Lord. So after the wedding, um, we continued to stay in contact, and the Lord provided confirmation after confirmation. Five months later, we were engaged, and two months after that, we were married. People thought that we were crazy, but um, the Lord really told me, hey, I work in great and mighty ways, and not to be ashamed of my goodness. And... He is my redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, Isaiah 54, 5. He's the one who's orchestrated it, and it's such a blessing. To give you a picture of his abundance, I remember very clearly after the accident, standing at my kitchen, crying, washing one plate, and just Weeping to the Lord, I wish that I had another plate to wash. The Lord is so abundant, he has given me a sink full of dishes. <laughs> it really is a, a blessed, abundant life. We have a ton going on all the time, and uh, the Lord just shows me his goodness in it all and how he works for the good of those who love him. The final thing I have here is that it's a continual pursuit. God has done so many mighty and amazing things in my life and blessed me abundantly. But that doesn't mean that the enemy still isn't out there trying to steal, kill, and destroy, and that we must continually pursue Jesus. When I first moved here, we went over to friends of ours' house, and we were meeting some new people, and I was excited about it, and we were playing this game, Apples to Apples, and um, the first card that I drew was Mount Rushmore. That's where we were going um, when the accident happened. The second card that I drew was car crash. And the third card that I drew was funeral. And it was a moment where I felt like I just wanted to start crying, but I didn't know anyone, and I didn't want to be this embarrassing person who was like a mess. And so I was like feeling alone. And um, once we left, I started crying. And thankfully, my husband reminded me to pursue the Lord. And that was an act of the enemy. That was the enemy trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And it's just a picture of how sly he is. And 
we have to be on guard. Ecclesiastes tells us that this life is full of seasons. Some are good, some are hard. In them, we must pursue Jesus continually. As I provide some concluding thoughts here, I just, my prayer is that my redemption story would turn each of you closer to the ultimate giver of hope. When trials come your way, and we know that they will because the Bible tells us that trials will come our way, whether it's a broken marriage, a hard job, troubles in the church, your child's acting crazy. I could go on and on, right? Um, But God doesn't expect us to be happy about those trials, but he does expect us to come to him. And I don't know what you may be facing today, but I want to encourage you that Jesus can turn your junk into joy. It's easy to lose sight of the bigger picture when you're walking through the mundane of life. But I want to encourage you of this, that if you're here today and there's breath in your lungs, you're here for a reason. Ephesians 1.11, furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. Brothers and sisters, think about this. The God who created the universe created you in his image. He loves you so much, he sent his only son to die on the cross for you. That's incredible. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. Jeremiah 17, 7. God has a calling on your life. I pray that you pursue him to understand it and that you live it out. Thank you. So one of the things that uh, Emily had shared uh, was just that the unknown of the future, and I guess we kind of talked about this first service too, so if you want to just speak to that, you know, when it was, when there was a moment when you said, I don't know, I don't know what this looks like going forward, and where, where obviously you shared a little bit about how, what, where you turned to, um, but just speak maybe about those things that you wrestled with, because I think there's a lot of, I think there are, you know, people like you had mentioned that just are facing um, various things, whether it's uh, family things, children not uh, following maybe the way that they've been taught or, you know, scenarios at work. But what, what does it look like? What did it look like? And maybe just some encouragement on when you don't know what that next step is, you know, the, the, the faith step. So, yeah, I felt so very lost and um, 
I, I knew the Lord, I knew that he was in control, but I remember the analogy that I give people sometimes is that I felt like I was running a marathon every day. And caveat, I've never even gotten to the point where I was at close to a marathon, right? I'm exhausted after like a mile. But I felt like I was running a marathon every day. And then when I got finished, I forgot to set the timer. So I had no idea what time I finished in. So I had to start all over. The days felt so long and it just felt like nothing is, I don't know how it could get better. And I remember speaking to the Lord and being vulnerable with him of, God, I don't understand this, but I am trusting in you. And I don't know what that looks like, but I'm just choosing right now to trust. I remember praying for things that seem very simple, um, but they felt so hard. Where I was laying in my bed and I prayed, Lord, this sucks. I hate this. Please help me just get out of bed and go to the bathroom. The most basic things, I just went to him. And um, I remember struggling with my best friends were having babies and and struggling of like, I don't want to go and encourage them. I'm so sad and I didn't get this. And just praying, Lord, okay, just help me, help me. And he does, he did, he continues to do it. And so I think it's just that walking in obedience, you don't have to be confident in how it's going to happen, but just being confident and knowing that it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's your earring that's hitting it, but it's okay. Oh, is it my hair? (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a great word. Just that confidence in not knowing what it looks like, but knowing that he will encounter. Because I think there's a lot of times where you, you, you set out in faith and then he shows up and it's like, wow, that's not how I expected it to happen, but it's so much better, you know? And so thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.